Actually, guys, can you give me one minute? Can I take that call? Yeah, sure. absolutely. Mike and I are ready to do this podcast with Gerald, and he walks away. Too big, too important for talking to Mike and I. I get it. It's good to be the Gerald, I guess. But All right, sorry about that. No problem. Everybody, and welcome back to Squat Cobbler. This is Kelly at K E L L Y T H U L on Twitter. And I'm Mike at Official Pagan on everything. We've had an interesting audio experience over the last several episodes, but uh, hopefully today will go kind of smooth. I, again, I, I seem to be haunted by some mystery uh, feedback from time to time, but uh, we'll see how we'll see how it goes. Mike and I said the dreaded pre-show uh, phrase. Oh, I think it'll be a short show, so buckle in, folks. This thing could go all night. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> We're gonna give the classic snark Alec radio days a run for their money. <laughs> That's right. Back to it's so retro. So, well, you know, just to take us off on our first tangent, you kind of already touched on this a little bit, but. This is sort of the end of an era for us tonight. It is, because from episode one of Snark Alec Radio, which, gosh, would have been, I don't know, 2011, maybe? Uh, maybe two, Was maybe it really that long ago? I think it has to be close, because Mel and I started doing Nurture and Support in 2013. So Snark wow. Alec Radio had to be in 11 or 12. So it, it was a while back. I have to go back and find the date on that first episode. But basically for 99.9% of all of these episodes, we have used Google's Hangout on Air to record them. Super great functionality, a little spotty on occasion in terms of reliability, but still it's free. So you get what you pay for. But it was great because we could go live and actually have guests on and be live and interact with folks that way. We could make it a unlisted video so that it's really not, no one's picking up on it, but we're able to download the video and then work on the the audio for the podcast. Super easy to do when we're going to have a guest on, like when we had Nikki Bilderback, who likes me more than Mike. When we had her join, all we had to do is send her a link, and boom, she's in the meeting. So it's super easy to have people join you. And this is the last day, this is, we're recording this on uh, July uh, 31st. This is the last day Google Hangouts is on air is going to be available. So we're, <laughs> it is the end of an era. It really is. And there, there's two things that I want to say, sort of in remembrance of this era of our time together. I would say, first and foremost, you review the tape, Nick, you don't back, clearly likes me better. And second, it, I just want to say, gash wagon. Awesome. <laughs> glad you glad you got got your last last wagon on the on this platform. Many more to come on whatever the next platform is. So we'll actually be doing a little bit of testing after uh, we record this episode to uh, look at a potential solution that will basically let us do almost exactly what we're doing right now, uh, and hope that works because it's been nice. But yeah, this is we have we have done a lot. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how things move forward. Now, someone like a Dylan, you know, and Dylan knows. Since that tends to just be Dylan <laughs> chatting, 
he's he's going to come out of this pretty unscathed because the alternative uh, for Hangouts on Air is basically the Google webcam or the YouTube webcam, youtube.com slash webcam, which looks like it's slick little software. It gets you up and going really easy, but it's a it's basically a, a single broadcaster and not the witty repartee that you get between Mike and I on Squat Cobbler. Yeah, I think the way that we play off of each other is really what brings this together. I guess I could move into your bunker. And you could. could. There's enough space. Well, we'll look at that option, too. So, <laughs> so can you imagine, just to keep this tangent rolling a little bit longer, can, can you imagine doing a show like, like you said, Dylan often does these by himself. I know Vex has done one or two by himself of his podcast, but can, can you see yourself doing a solo podcast? So depending on the topic, I could, but but not of any real length. It would have to be something so something pretty short. If it was like, because one of the things I've toyed with a little bit is there's a gazillion Roiku channels out there and doing kind of a quick little five minute, hey, here's a streaming channel on, on Roiku. Roiku. Here's, a, here's some thoughts on it. That might be interesting. That could be a lot of content. Some people might find it interesting. And that's something I could offer my observations on in like five minutes and be done but anything longer form i would i would really struggle doing a 30 or long 30 minute or longer monologue on about anything how about you no i i 100 couldn't do it so i briefly hosted before we started doing squat cobbler i was hosting a thing on the pagan youtube channel and the reason that came about was i was doing a podcast with christian and because of a series of circumstances outside of our control we had to stop doing that and i wanted to keep going and prior to squad cobbler starting i started doing the opium den which was sort of a mix of like this animated video along with like a little podcast thing and they were like three to five minutes long each and you were on it a number of times but that was short and it was always with a guest the closest i've ever come to something like that was uh when we released the box set reissue of our album on black wings the record label had asked me if i wanted to do like a commentary track for it which a lot of bands have done over the past few years and i actually really enjoy listening to those but uh i'm the only person in pagan who was on that record and part of it was because we went in to do that record initially so i decided that was going to be the first like band record air quotes so a frequent collaborator of mine shy one uh who was on many pagan releases but isn't like a member of the band he was on that that was his first appearance christian and i's mutual friend angel from the who at the time was in the band dope was on that record as well but i was looking for a vocalist and we went through struggles with that like locking down the band so i had a drummer at the time and the drummer got involved in drug running and was in a a serious circumstances in relation to that so he was out we hired a female singer our first female singer she had a mental breakdown and was institutionalized then we hired a second female singer who was a model who disappeared and it turns out i found out much later uh she had flown to europe and was on a like couple month long drug bender so that led to me more or less doing the record by myself with a children's choir doing the vocals so it was actually, uh, it was a really interesting experience. But when, And I recorded the commentary track, but when I listened back to it, it sounded stupid. <laughs> just me sitting there talking about it. I don't know, it just sounded weird. It sounded fake and sort of like disingenuous, which is odd, especially for that particular record. Like that record starts off with a really popular song of ours called Sonata, 
which I wrote for the to be played at the funeral of one of our fans who had passed away around the time we had started working on that record. So it was like a lot of really serious things going on at the time. But then when you listened back to the commentary, it sounded like weird and fake. So I decided no one will ever hear that <laughs> and deleted that. So no, I can never do it. So I'm not sure what your your setup is tonight in terms of uh, recording, Mike. But is it if it's mobile and you could go down to uh, room 47 in the bunker? I'd love it if we could check in with the children's choir and get their their view <laughs> on that, or or maybe go down to room 64. And uh, we can talk about the air quote traveled to Europe for a drug bender singer model <laughs> and see how she's doing. I don't know if either of them are available or whether you're kind of tethered and unable to do so today. <laughs> so I, I actually haven't been in touch with her for years. She, like I said, disappeared. Wink. And um, I was, it's funny because I was very reluctant after the initial singer of the band had her issues. I was very reluctant to bring this person on because she was a suggestion of our then record label. And I made it a really, really, it was basically my life's goal to not listen to anything the record label told me to do. (laughs) They would, they hired like PR people. They would set up these meetings and photo shoots and video shoots. I would make all these plans for them. I would talk to these people. We would set all this big things up and I would never show up for them. Or <laughs> they would they would hire stylists and, and do all these different things. And I would never show up for these things. But I would talk to the people ahead of time like I was going to be there. And we would <laughs> set all of these like big things into motion with me knowing the whole time I was never going to go. So like my entire mission was just to kind of torpedo my relationship with that record label. So she was a suggestion of theirs. <laughs> So I was like, no, there's no way. So somehow, though, they did get me to meet with her. And she was act- I was very reluctant to admit she was actually a really great fit. And we started working on the record and then she disappeared. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I jokingly said, there's either no vocalist on it, it's instrumental, or we're going to get little kids to sing it. And uh, somebody at the record label was like, well, hold on. <laughs> And they found this uh, children's choir. I believe it was from Germany. The choir was based in Germany. So they got all these recordings of the children's choir. And then like the kids didn't record to the record. They just had all these recordings of the children's choir that they licensed from this choir in Germany. They paid them $5 or something and then gave them to me. And I got to chop them up and put them throughout the record. Just to clarify, you had to chop up the audio. The audio, yeah, not the choir, (laughs) not the children's choir. Okay, it is. It is specifically a boys' choir, though. I think we're going to move on to. (laughs) I have a a few other comments, but I think we'll move on to recommendations. And oddly enough, this somewhat dovetails into our tangent. In that, while I think you indicated you really couldn't do it, and I indicated it'd be very difficult for me to do much on my own as a single person podcast. My recommendation actually is a series of videos on on YouTube on the within the Screen Rant uh, YouTube channel that are called Movie Pitches by Ryan George. And he does it by himself, not by himself, because the basic premise for every single one of these is Ryan George as a writer and Ryan George as a fairly slimy, money-oriented movie producer. And they're having a chat where the writer's coming in and pitching. Uh, you know, he'll always, it basically always comes in and says, so do you have a new movie for me? And he goes, I sure do. And they, 
they have the little set piece at the beginning. If it's a Disney movie, you, you see the Disney office door. If it's Universal, you see Universal, Fox, etc. And so it's just this interplay between him asking himself questions. It's it, he does. It's a I mean, it's clearly not like super high end production, but it's pretty quality production in terms of he's got a uh, green screen going on so he can drop kind of an office behind him on either side. And depending on what movie it is, when you look at the writer, the writer always has basically behind him a a device. And it's it's either if it's a recent movie, it would be the type of computer monitor you'd expect to see now, a flat screen and and those types of things. If it was maybe the first Star Wars movie, it's a much bigger, blockier, big monitor. You go back even further, it's a typewriter. Uh, and so the uh, the furnishings behind the writer and a little bit what you see behind the producer do their best to kind of reflect the time period. And the guy's a brilliant writer. And the characters he's developed here are somewhat charming and quirky and interesting as they go back and forth. And it's a lot, you know, you'll see the YouTube channels out there, like everything wrong with movie X, and they'll kind of count down all the, all the problems. Very, very popular videos on YouTube. He does a great job in really skewering different parts of either major plot holes or plot armor or inconsistencies or kind of clear plans to just merchandise things because like when he does the toy story ones it's pretty much he doesn't talk about characters he talks about so what does the merchandise do next (laughs) you know and that type of thing but it's a great it's really really funny it's going to have like all the marvel movies all the star wars movies big dose of disney movies are in there as well big movies like avatar all those types of things are all there so you can just go through there's well over 100 of these they're called movie pitches on screen rant what's really clever too is he's got certain catchphrases that he uses like, oh, this person fell in a pit and they can't get out. That must be super hard for them to get out. And one of the common responses is, no, it's actually super easy, barely an inconvenience. And about every video, there's always something that was super easy, barely an inconvenience. Uh, Lots of whoops and whoopsie when they kind of spot the the plot armor types of things. And the producer guy likes to call things tight. So it's like, oh yeah, you know, stealing, stealing money from rich people is tight or listening to squat cobbler is tight or those types of things. So, and sometimes he'll, you know, what he describes as tight don't sound like very good things to describe as tight. And you get those nice awkward moments. So they usually run two to three minutes. Uh, they're, I, I think some of the wittiest and most enjoyable stuff out there on YouTube. He does a fantastic job. He does a lot of other really good content. We featured, we featured one of his videos recently uh, when we discussed the the finale of game of Thrones, where it was still, it was kind of the same premise of him talking to him, but it was this time, you know, he had a, a badge on one side so the saying he was George R. R. Martin, and the other person was, is the other Ryan George was the writers, and a little bit of back and forth there. So kind of the same premise. Uh, you then occasionally see people who really, I'm a big, big fan of it. I could never come anywhere close to replicating what he does, but you get those painful moments where you see people who are big fans actually try and do that and it just lends an extra appreciation for how truly good he is when you see someone else try and pull this back and forth thing off and you start to realize how seamlessly he does it and how clever his editing is because a lot of times as he's finishing a sentence as the producer he's already cut back over to him as the writer so you're having the producer voice trail off or finish off as you're now looking at the writer so it does it does play very well like uh Oh, he's talking to himself. He's actually done a movie pitch about movie pitches. So, so about the show he does, 
And uh, so to go kind of tray meta on that way, which he certainly does on that. So these are good. I'll put a link in the blog post to one or two of my favorites. And uh, I highly recommend it. It's, it's light entertainment. It's fun. Any kind of recent movie of, of any kind of size uh, you're going to see on the Screen Rant channel a movie pitched by Ryan George, and they're excellent. So that is my recommendation for this week. It's an excellent recommendation, Sure, I'm a big, big fan of that show and those videos. Personally, my particular favorite and the one that I, I have a tendency to uh, recommend to people if I'm trying to introduce them to those videos is the Lion King one. The, the original animated live suit. Because I'm assuming he's going to do a movie. Well, he did do a movie pitch on the uh, CGI Lion King. Uh, but I'm assuming you're talking about the original original? Yes, I am. Yeah, definitely one of my favorites, particularly when he gets into the whole sex scene in the movie. <laughs> There's a pretty strong creepiness factor to the producer character <laughs> when you come in. Um, I think one of my favorites is the the Coraline one, where it's the movie producer like, "Oh, good, I had wanted to do a, a child's movie for my daughter, and this sounds great." And then he, the writer starts going through the basic plot line of it, which is. Ultimately, maybe not the best kids movie in the world. It's a pretty funny one, too. Yeah, there's so many good ones in there. Like I said, Lion King is personally one of my favorites. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones I really liked. Space Jam was a good one. Yeah. Um, some of the jokes in it, maybe now, like in the, and it's not even that old. Just in the past couple of months, I think one of the bits in it might be a little more extreme than intended. I mean, he will, I wouldn't say he's not. Dr. Mike edgy, but he will on occasion get a, a little bit edgy, but every, and so it is always a bit of a surprise when he, cause it, cause it's still always a little bit restrained, but then he kind of gets into Dr. Mike territory on occasion as well. And it's always a special moment. I don't know who this Dr. Mike is that you're talking about, but he sounds like a genius. Uh, he thinks so. <laughs> well, that was an excellent recommendation, sir. It's going to be difficult to follow that up, but I'll, I'll do my best. So are you a smart home guy, Kelly? Parts of my home are smart, and I wish I was smarter, <laughs> but so uh, so partial. I am a partial smart home guy. So how far, you said parts of your home, so how far have you delved into the whole smart home world? So a little bit of motion sensors, outlets, primarily the big use is uh, for lighting uh, across different rooms. But then because I'm in the Google Home family in terms of everything and Chromecasts and all that, uh, the televisions are all pretty well connected too, so that you can do the old "Hey, play Agents of Shield on Netflix," and uh, you're off and running. So, prior to my current secured bunker, uh, my previous apartment, I had for the most part was pretty much covered smart home wise. No, it was a, it was a good size apartment, but it wasn't apartment, so it wasn't tons and tons of space. So it was pretty easy to get all set. Pretty much all of the lighting in the main areas was voice controlled. Uh, the TV, of course. <clears throat> and for the bedroom, our bedroom was unusually large in that place. So for that, because of the size of it, we had to have various lamps. So I switched to the smart uh, sockets for that room. So moving into my current secured bunker location, and as, as Kelly sort of alluded to, there's a number of rooms in the place where I live now. So I was I was excited to get back to the smart home thing because after leaving the apartment, we stayed with relatives for a little while while we searched for the right place. So 
I felt like I had somehow devolved into a savage by using light switches and <laughs> remotes and things like that. But now that we moved in here, this place is really big. <laughs> so I was a little bit concerned about the the financial issue of dealing with trying to make this place smarter. <laughs> when we were in the apartment, we we're using the Philips Hue bulbs for the, the smart home lighting. Do you have a, a brand preference, sir? I would say I am primarily from a lighting perspective uh, in the Philips Hue family because I, the long-term objective had been to eventually do some of the kind of sink, uh, sink lighting within, uh, if you have kind of a media room and you want kind of the lights trailing along color-wise to kind of add to the movie experience. I wanted to get there, but as it turns out, since my main media room right now utilizes a projector, the idea of a lot of additional lights in that room kind of doesn't work. And that makes sense. So I, I was a Philips Hue guy myself, and and I can attest that I, I think they're great quality. That's excellent lighting choice. If that's the direction you're going, I would recommend that to anybody. But particularly getting into here, so I live in a doctor's office, or I live in the house above <laughs> that was built above what used to be a doctor's office until I purchased it. Um, so there's a regular house, and then there there's a lower level with a bunch of rooms. So the issue that I would run into is there's a first off insane amount of lighting down here far too much lighting and it's like the typical doctor's office those long bulbs and there's like a hundred of them down here so it's not practical from an energy use standpoint or just from a financial standpoint in terms of having to replace all of these bulbs so i i bought cheap lamps that i've been putting into all the rooms just like the ten dollar ikea lamp that you screw together but they get the job done the issue that I was concerned about then was because there is, again, a lot of rooms. There's, there's a lot of lights to cover in here. And then upstairs, there's some interesting lighting. <laughs> the, the people who own this building prior to me loved lighting. It is a commercial property, so I'm sure that there are or were some sort of regulations about how well lit it needed to be. There is tons of lighting. There's far too much lighting for a living space here. <laughs> so I, I was a little bit concerned with the Philips Hue bulbs because they are a little bit on the pricier end compared to some of the other smart home bulbs. But at the same time, I didn't really want to sacrifice much in quality with that. So I had been doing some research and I came across some other bulbs that were, and again, this isn't an anti Philips Hue thing. I think they're great. I was just looking for cheaper options. So Amazon was offering a bundle pack. And another thing, of course, we couldn't get away with just having one Echo anymore. There needs to be multiple ones. So we are up to four now, and the entire place is still not covered. But it's getting there. <laughs> so a couple more, and we should have everything down. As we were getting all that together, uh, with the Echo Dots, they were doing a bundle pack where you could get the Sengeld Starter Kit. Are you familiar with them at all? I am not. Neither was I. And I, I looked up reviews of it, and some of the reviews that I found off the bat were kind of negative. But then once I got into the reviews, particularly on YouTube, a lot of the negativity stemmed from the fact that they were comparing them to the Philips Hue lights. And again, these are budget lighting in comparison. So I figured, I want to say with, with the Echo Dot that I purchased... The starter kit was like an extra $15 maybe. So I felt like this wasn't a huge investment if it didn't work out for me. So it came with the hub and it came with two of the bulbs. The bulbs worked out really well. I found that they were a little bit difficult to get set up compared to the Philips Hue, which I 
it was a while ago when I set those up in the apartment, but I didn't, I don't remember having any kind of issues. I remember everything coming together pretty quickly. The Sengo lights require as many of the smart light options do. You have to download their app. I don't think their app is the best. That's probably my biggest quibble with it. It's not very clear because it gives you, when you're setting up each individual bulb or device, it just shows you pictures of them on the app and you just click on the pictures. Like think of an Ikea instruction manual style. So here's the problem. Black and white bulbs all look the same. So I found that it's not super easy to pick out exactly which bulb you have from the outline of every bulb looking exactly the same. So that was a little bit frustrating at first, but I got through it. And there's also been some upgrades to the app. So maybe when I add my next batch of bulbs, it'll be a little bit easier. But I got a couple of them. They worked out really well. Then for Prime Day, those bulbs were on sale. So I bought a four pack. So I was able to to basically take care of all the lamps that we currently have, the IKEA bought lamps. They're working out great because there's enough coverage from the four echoes that are around the house. I can more or less, if you're in the core of the building, like moving up and down from the main rooms and the offices to the main areas of the house, you can pretty much just in a normal, a little bit projected, but not overly yelling or anything like that voice, get the lights to turn on and off by just saying it out loud, which is what we were going I also picked up one of the the color changing bulbs. Now, do you have any of those? One. I'm just kind of experimenting with. <laughs> so I picked up one of those and I decided to switch out. Initially, I had one of the regular smart bulbs here in the studio. I have a large lamp on the stu- on the uh, main table here in the studio. So I decided to swap that out for one of the color bulbs and then throw the regular smart bulb in another one of the lamps around the house. I'm really impressed with the color light. I didn't have any of the color-changing Philips Hue lights. This is where a lot of the negativity in the reviews comes in at. Apparently, the Philips Hue color-changing bulbs are a little bit better. It's a little bit more of a smooth transition from my understanding of it. Personally, while it's, it's fun for a few seconds to sit here on the app and just scroll my finger along the color wheel and watch it change, that's not really how I'm going to be using it. So how fluidly it switches from color to color when you do that, for me, wasn't really a big issue. I have used the different colors, particularly purple. I found it's bright enough to light up the studio, but not too bright where it's overpowering. You can just focus on what you're doing. Just being able to say out loud what color I want the light to be, it changes very quickly. Everything is very responsive and the colors look great. Again, if you were to drag your finger along the color wheel in the app, Apparently, the Philips Hue version of that does transition between the colors a little bit more smoothly. Again, for me personally, that's not really something I'm looking for. I was looking for a way to fill up the many, many spaces <laughs> that needed lighting with a cheaper option of bulbs. And so far, these are really working out for me. So I have a number of these bulbs around the house. I just ordered a second color light for the studio because the main studio room is rather big. So we're adding another lamp to the other side of the room. That'll have another colored light, and we're going to pick up a few more lamps for down here and at least one more echo for down here. That sounds good. Be sure and shoot me a link to either one of the packs you bought or something like that, and I'll be sure to include that in the the blog post for this one. Where you're sitting right now, is there? do you have one of your echoes nearby? Yes, I do. Okay. Could you ask it how you subscribe to Squat Cobbler? (laughs) Because we haven't (laughs) told people. (laughs) That's true. We should get better at that. 
Yeah, or maybe we need to kind of get it on the smart devices. So <laughs> just say, just ask your smart device how to subscribe. <laughs> but until we do that, what you can do is go to youtube.com slash K-E-L-L-Y-T-H-U-L, and you will come to my YouTube channel, which has all the Nurture and Supports, all the Squat Cobblers, the various Alice Cooper reviews, uh, the playlist where I carry Pagan, all the good things are on that YouTube channel. That's a really easy way to get it. You can also go to our blog, nurtureandsupport.net, and you'll get the blog posts. And from that location, you get the fully unedited gash wagon mentioning version of the of the. No, podcast. you just said it twice in the same episode. Yeah, but I'll edit. I'll edit out the first one because I screwed up. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and so, but I'm already going to have to already have work to do. So we'll do that. But uh, you'll get the unedited version off the blog. And then YouTube can get a little finicky from time to time, continuing to kind of do little tweaks there. So you see gently, lightly edited versions of our content on YouTube. But it's kind of a nice, if you like to consume audio that way, it's a good way to go. And we're on Stitcher and Google Play and all the other goodies too. So you can find us lots of places, search on Nurture and Sport, because that's kind of our overall umbrella. And you'll get to all the Squat Cobbler stuff as well. Anything else for this week, sir? I don't believe so. I think we pretty much covered everything. You know what we haven't done in a while? no that's a social media recommendation oh. since we're going kind of old school on this i'm going to throw out a social media recommendation obviously it's my good friend nikki Bilderback. oh of course it is yeah i think um i'd like to do a social media recommendation too and even though mike was reluctant to, to i mean mike wouldn't do it i will i'm going to recommend our good friend nikki Bilderback. and the most awesome <laughs> thing is I edit this podcast. So guess what social media <laughs> recommendations going to make it? We'll see how I'm feeling. If I'm in a charitable mood, maybe yours will be included as well. <laughs> Thank you. All right. And thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll be back uh, soon. Thanks, everyone. Gash wagon. Uh, 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 uh,